Hello everyone, and welcome to the fourth episode of this podcast. I am going to change the direction of this episode a little bit. Um, It's not going to be like the ones I've done before. This will be in relation to a book I recently read and that I recently finished today, which is called The Hate You Give by Angie Thomas. Um, I think this is a perfect book uh, to read today in regards to the events that have happened recently. Um, And I believe this book came out in 2017. Let me just confirm that. Yes, so it came out in 2017, but obviously many events that revolve around like the the issue of um, social change and police brutality has been present throughout history. And although this is in 2017, it's still relevant today because this is what is being fought for today um, during this time with events such as George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and, and everyone else. So I just think this is a great book to read um, just to kind of settle in to the thoughts um, surrounding these issues, at least, just to get familiar. It, if you don't know where to really start, I suggest like reading books about the lives of people that are dealing with it personally. Um, and for this book, I think it, it gave a good representation of of that and. You know, although this is a fiction book, it's still something that's very prevalent and I'm sure a case like this could be non-fiction. So although this is just fiction, um, none of the events that happened in this book were real. It still is very real to people that are living through it. So I just recommend anyone who wants to educate themselves more, wants to find resources, anything really, um, to be able to just start reading books by people of color. Um, and I guess I want to give like a, a side note. Um, I wish we had more diverse reading in school. I think that would have been a real good place to start. Um, When I was in high school, I became part of the Puente program. And if people don't know what the Puente program is, it's basically like a it's a preparatory program which you know helps people um how do i want to explain this it it's it's there to like increase the number of people that can enroll into universities so it's it's a four-year program throughout high school I was with the same class, basically the same students and the same teachers in, um, in different English courses uh, because that was supposed to help me engage with people that I guess had like-minded views about universities and it was just to prepare you to um, become acquainted with like college level reading and writing and get you to focus on academic goals um, 
you'd in this program you would be like scheduled with a counselor to talk to them about your academic goals for the future and we would go on field trips to different colleges to kind of learn more about them and throughout this program we we tried to make it a priority to read um, books that had more diversity than them because school school required reading is not super diverse um, I think we were required to read like Shakespeare at least and as well as like Of Mice and Men and um, Lord of the Flies so those are books that we did read in this program that I think are typically just um, required either ways but we we also read other books we read Reign of Gold um, we read The House of Mango Street I think we read The Outliers as well so we tried to kind of build upon the notion of like trying to get acquainted with different books like different backgrounds different environments different stories told by other cultures um but even though in school we were trying to diversify our reading we still typically fell into the category of like Hispanic literature so even though the Puente program was trying to encourage that I think there were still some faults obviously and I hope like we can we can kind of change that narrative in school to to shift and to hopefully include even more diverse reading um diverse literature I don't think we need to keep reading honestly The Great Gatsby or um what else I forgot what other <laughs> required reading was done for high school I never read um The Great Gatsby The Great Gatsby we weren't required to read that but I think there are other books that can really I think other books can replace it is what I'm saying so that we can you know become more familiar with different backgrounds um and why why do we even need to read the same books for each generation um I think it's kind of ridiculous because we we change and we evolve so our reading should also change and evolve with us okay I guess that was like a little rant about that but just trying to share my personal um my personal experience with reading and I recently haven't been reading a lot because college has taken up a lot of like my reading um reading for school is is obviously required but it's not really as fun as reading for yourself so now that we're in this um environment that you know we need a quarantine I've been trying to read more for myself to get in the practice of reading because I love it so much um and with that I want to make it a goal to read more diverse books as well um and read read books from authors that I don't even know about much um but would like to learn so I think I've gone on this rant for a little bit too long but that's like the intro of this so I want to go on and talk about the actual book itself and give basically the synopsis to you in case you haven't read the description of it um The Hate You Give is also a movie I think the movie came out in 2018 I haven't seen the movie and I would love to. Um, I think I just wanted to read the book before I watched the movie, and then I can see what comparisons I could give for both of them. But I love the book. The book was great. Um, it was 
really um It was really touching. Like it it's a very touching story for this young girl to go through. Um I left like the book trying to root for the main character as well as her family that's involved in this. So, let me just give like a background of this book and give the synopsis. So, it starts out with saying um 16-year-old Star Carter Star Carter moves between two worlds, the poor black neighborhood where she lives and the fancy suburban prep school she attends. The uneasy balance between these worlds is shattered when Star witnesses the fatal shooting of her childhood best friend, Khalil, at the hands of a police officer. Khalil was unarmed. Soon afterward, Khalil's death is a national headline. Some are calling him a thug, maybe even a drug dealer and a gangbanger. Star's best friend at school suggests he may have had it coming. When it becomes clear the police have little interest in investigating the incident, protesters take to the streets and Star's neighborhood becomes a war zone. What everyone wants to know is what really went down that night. And the only person alive who can answer that is Star. But what Star does or does not say could destroy her community. It could also endanger her life. Um so this debut novel from Angie Thomas is about an ordinary girl in extraordinary circumstances which address the issues of racism and police violence with intelligence, heart, and unflinching honesty. So that is the little synopsis that was given. I'm going to try to move some stuff aside. I want to talk about the points I want to bring up with this um book. I have about 1 2 3 4 5. I have six points I want to go over. Um I'm just going to read through them real quick. So one, I want to talk about the similarities this book has to actual events that are happening right now. Um the second point I'd like to talk about is a star as a character and how her two role two roles um plays out. You know, she lives in her neighborhood that she's lived in her whole life, but she's switching constantly from this neighborhood to um to her school life, which is far different from her actual home life. The third point I want to talk about is her dad's background. And the fourth I want to talk about is her um situation with her dealing with silence. The fifth point is the struggle that Star goes through with her friend Haley. Um when she finds out that she has racist tendencies. So let's try to talk about the first point. So the book and what's going on right now have a lot of similarities to them. One of course being the obvious with police brutality um many events from this book cross over in to real life because there are protests happening in this book there are riots happening in this book um there are stereotypes um the news projecting as well as um other media basically labeling people a certain way you know mislabeling people to say that they are violent they're thugs which they don't even know the context um or they don't even know the story of the actual victim so these are all parallels of 
what's happening in real life. Um, I think it's very... It, I think it's really great to know that this book carries on the message of at least shining the light on this subject because you know it seems very prevalent in in everyday life like the situations that star is in as a character i can see someone in real life handling um countless of people handling as well as families trying to grieve through moments like like these so I just wanted to point out the similarities between a fiction book with real life because right now we're in a situation that has become scarier and scarier with police um, and the way that we're fighting to defund the police as well as reform so now I want to talk about Star and how she is as a character Star is a kid but she's going through different identities in her hometown she lives in Garden Heights and in school it's at Williamson and it's like a private school with a bunch of white rich kids and she's put there for a reason by her parents so that she can get a better education um, and not have to deal with I guess what Garden Heights would provide to her if she went to school there because school there is is different and she could get involved with stuff that her parents don't want her to get involved with which is like drugs um like violence everything else that would pertain to environments that that don't have the same accessibility that unfortunately rich white suburban areas do so she tells two stories of her lives of her life um one being like she narrates her life in home in Garden Heights to be home, you know. Um, she says that's where she feels comfortable, that's where she shows herself, like she is star. Um, even though she she mentions like she has grown up in the ghetto side you know where violence is prevalent um drugs are prevalent everything beyond that obviously but in school she has to act a different way she can't be or she feels like she can't be the star that she is when she's in garden heights she feels like she kind of has to tone herself down for Williamson you know she's like the token black girl when she's in the private school because really it's only her and her brother that are the only two black kids in that school so she has to she feels like she has to act a different way she has to talk a different way she can't use the slang she uses in Garden Heights she has to be aware of like what she's putting out there because she doesn't want to be labeled as um, the loud black girl the sassy black girl like there's so many stereotypes that she doesn't want to fall into but she wants to also fit in with the people at her school 
So it becomes a challenging narrative for her to kind of lead two different lives in two different areas. And it's conflicting with what she wants for herself. You know, she wants to stay true to who she is. She just doesn't know how to go around that while she's kind of pretending to be someone else in this private school. So the third point I want to talk about is her dad's background. Now, after I read, I I finished this book, I noticed on the cover that it said, um, coming 2021 is a book called Concrete Rose. And that's actually um, sort of like a prequel to this book. Kinda, because it deals with her father's backstory. Her father's name is Maverick. He goes by like Big Mav. And he's been in a gang. Um, He's had like, you know, the criminal life. Um, So he shows like his ups and downs. And along the book of The Hate You Give, he's trying to give like a guidance role to Star of like what not to become you know she doesn't he doesn't want her to have to solely see her dad as like what his past used to be because that's not him anymore but he's trying to show a different light into what her life can be if she stays in this environment The importance of her dad is, is, um, well, it's important (laughs) because her dad plays a huge role in this story because there's a rivalry happening between a gang that he was a part of in the past with the gang that's newer now to their neighborhood, um, But he's just, he has a store, um, a convenience store that he built now. He works at, um, his daughter's star helps him with, and he's basically there to kind of provide the background info to how star really grew up, um, Oh yeah, I didn't even give a disclaimer of if I was going to give spoilers or not to this book discussion, but I'm just going to say right now that I think it would be safe to say there may be spoilers in this book discussion. Um, Don't really know necessarily if there are any spoilers because the biggest spoiler is already in the description of the book. We know the tale, we know what Star is going to go through, but this is more of um, her journey throughout her thought process and like what she will be doing, what actions she will be making in regards to this issue. So I don't think I'm really spoiling anything, but in case anyone wants to read it, then I guess I would advise to not hear this episode. So, now I want to talk about my fourth point, which is her silence. Um, I want to put that in quotations. So, throughout this book, there's a theme of silence going on. You know, she witnessed a very violent crime against one of her best friends and although she's been going through so much grief um, so many emotions in regard to this murder she has a difficulty 
of thinking whether or not to be quote unquote silent, to not say anything, um, to not put herself out there as the witness to this crime or to be more than that, to, you know, to actually strive to make action, to have her voice heard. Um, now I put quotations around silence because I don't think her silence is the same to what we see silence is because she's dealing with this head on. She was the only witness to this crime and she's dealing with quite a lot in her life right now so she's having the issue of trying to come out with information because she knows if she does it can potentially hurt her and her family because coming out as a witness to this crime is basically outing herself and it's basically shown as snitching because there are gang-related issues within this crime. So if she outs herself, her family is in danger of getting hurt by different gangs around her. So I annotated my book to kind of briefly go over some points that I want to talk about within the book. Um, The first marking that's on my book is um, so Star basically snitches on the King Lord. The King Lord is someone within the neighborhood that's like one of the biggest drug leaders. Um, And he is directly involved, not directly involved, but he is involved within this case because within Khalil's um, What's it called? Within Khalil's, um, like, burial, his, um, I'm forgetting the name for some reason. I don't know, it's like at the tip of my tongue, which is so dumb. For his funeral. Oh my god, I couldn't think of that word for some reason. Okay, for Khalil's funeral. Um, there was a huge statement made when the King Lord came to his funeral with, you know, his posse, and they set a bandana on his chest, basically claiming that he was one of them and to pay respect. But Star basically comes out to snitch, not snitch, but she's just giving her her own explanation as to why Khalil may have been involved with the King Lord and the relationship he has with him. Um, A lot of people in the news and the media are claiming that Khalil was a drug dealer. Um, You know, he was hustling on the side, selling drugs for money. Um, So it they're trying to justify that as the reason to why he got shot by the cop and he died it doesn't make any sense really but they are claiming that just to kind of give a label to it but star comes out and says that you know he was forced to sell drugs for the king lord 
because his mom's life was in danger and he wasn't a gang member actually so there's a there's a passage I want to read within this book where she talks to this guy named Devante and he is also involved in some of the king's lords like shit that's going on so I want to read this this passage it says no ma'am he never wanted to fall into that type of life but I guess I think about Devante for some reason I don't understand how everyone can make it seem like it's okay he got killed if he was a drug dealer and a gangbanger. A hook straight to the jaw. The media, she asks. Yes, ma'am, it seems like they always talk about what he may have said, what he may have done, what he may have not done. I didn't know a dead person could be charged in his own murder, you know? So, Star is at this point in an interview with someone talking about her being the witness to Khalil's death and I think I annotated this part specifically because it talks about everyone wants to label someone and there's no real justice around that because the person that they are labeling is already dead so the way they label someone is just on the actions they think this person might have done but the person that is involved in this can't speak for themselves so to label someone I think is out of proportion which is why she says I didn't know a dead person could be charged in his own murder So, okay, I also annotated a different point, which Star talks about the two different lives that I was mentioning before. She talks about that being two different people is so exhausting. Um, she taught herself to speak with two different voices and only say certain things around certain people. She says she's mastered that point as well. Um, and there's an intimate moment she has with her boyfriend who is white. Um, and she has multiple battles of like, not really feeling comfortable with the fact that she's now dating a white person in the situation that unfortunately her best friend was murdered by a white cop but she has an intimate moment with him and basically lets him into her world into her real world you know the star that she is not the star she's pretending to be at the private school and she talks about how she when she was 10 years old she saw her friend die um, right in front of her by a drive-by and Chris finally gets to understand you know why it's been so hard for Star to open up about being the witness to Khalil's death My fifth point was to talk about the conversation that she had with her dad. Um, And I don't think I annotated this. Kind of wish I did. Yeah, I didn't. But... It was a really good conversation she had with her dad explaining thug life and what that means and how it applies to the protests that are happening. 
So, she, she basically was talking to her dad about the protest, and her dad was wanting to know her two, her two cents into this involvement, um, and have her understand why thug life is prevalent still today and what that really means to the protest. If you don't know what thug life stands for, um, it is what Tupac has quoted and it means the hate you give little infants fucks everybody. And it's basically a central concept of how the hate you give to youth potentially fucks everybody around them and their environment. You know, the environment that they grow up in is what they can potentially come to be, but you can never have that potential if everyone is out for you or never giving you the resources to do so. So that's a little bit of what the quote is insinuating, Um, but the description of it in the book gives a clearer definition for it. I feel like I'm not doing it justice right now because I don't exactly remember um, the exact quote Star had given to her dad trying to explain it, but um, the the last point I want to bring up is the struggle that Star has with one of her friends who happens to be white. Her name is Haley, and Haley and Star are going through this bumpy road because Star is understanding that Haley has been having these racist tendencies recently. Um, and there's a big scene where they're talking about how Haley and Star have been fighting for a little bit now um, because Star has noticed that Haley has unfollowed her from Tumblr due to recent events of like her posting up stories relating to what Khalil has now gone through and Haley unfollowed her because she didn't want to see all of that and Star was not pleased to hear that she wanted to know why Haley unfollowed her um, when she started to talk about um, Black Lives Matter movements and anything relating to injustices. So her and Haley see each other at school. And she, I want to read kind of some quotes here too. says, Haley says, it's not my fault she can't get over a joke from freaking freshman year. Just like it's not my fault you can't get over what happened to Khalil. So I'm supposed to get over the fact he was murdered? Yes, get over it. He was probably going to end up dead anyway. Um, He was a drug dealer and a gang banger, Haley says. Somebody was going to kill him eventually. And Star says, get over it. And at this moment, basically a fight sparks. Um, Star punches her because she feels all these emotions coming out. You know, just hearing the disgusting description that she's giving. That she's saying, you know, he was probably going to end up dead anyway. Um, Like, it was bound to happen. So get over it.
another quote that I annotated was Star talking about um, some stages of grief. She, she says that WebMD calls it a stage of grief, anger, but she doubts she'll ever get to the other stages. And I have a resource that I would like to talk about in response to the stages of grief. So this is a resource by goodtherapy.org and it is rela- relating to grief, loss, and bereavement. Um, there are different models of grief. So grief can vary between individuals and there are still global trends to how people cope with loss. So psychologists and researchers have outlined various models of grief. Some of the most familiar models include the five stages of grief, which are the most popular stages of grief that a lot of people are are aware of. Um, So the five linear stages of grief go by denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. And throughout this story, we see Star go through the stages of grief. And for her, it's become a little bit different because grief is present throughout her entire life. She grew up in an environment that has grief all around it. And that leads me to another resource I want to talk about, which is from the Black Youth Project, and it is called that PTSD is more common than you think. And this relates to the idea that PTSD doesn't only come from combat. It can develop based on the experiences you have in everyday environments. So these are some examples of what could be a form of PTSD. So witnessing domestic violence, um, experiencing or witnessing child abuse, watching a loved one suffer from um, a disease or condition, and these can all trigger events towards PTSD. But it could be more common for communities that are already riddled with violence. Whether that's um, watching a bullet tear into the flesh of someone they know, um, grieving with death, or listening to your parents scream and fight. Another thing in this article is stated by um, who is affected by mental illness. So one in five people are affected by mental illness, and according to the Health and Human Services Office of Minority Health, African Americans are 20% more likely to experience serious mental health problems than the general population. And the key to decreasing these numbers is to start early and commit to taking better care of each other. So in these environments, we have to decrease the rates of child abuse and neglect in the communities. And uh, also destigmatizing seeking mental health care. another part where star sees her two world her two worlds colliding now she sees the part of garden heights her home life and her school life her friends 
um, her boyfriend, come together and meet when they're celebrating her brother's birthday party. And I want to read a portion of this too, where she says, Chris, her boyfriend, and Maya, one of her best friends, walk through the gate, and her stomach gets all jittery. She says, I should be used to my two worlds colliding, but I never know which star I should be. I can use some slang, but not too much slang, some attitude, but not too much attitude, so I'm not a sassy black girl. I have to watch what I say and how I say it, but I can't sound white. So she, this is, even though this is a little bit further into the book, she's still having that reality skewed with her having to deal with the relationships we have with these two worlds, her two worlds, her two personalities, and the two descriptions of herself. Another point that I annotated was when she finds out that the verdict of her case has not been solved and it's not come to justice. The cop got away with the murder and everyone is upset. So this leads to outrage in all of the communities and especially Star and her family, this leads her to become active in protests and even riots. So there's a part I annotated where she says, They gave me the hate, and now I want to fuck everybody, even if I'm not sure how. I want to do something, I say. Protest, riot, I don't care. So, at this point, she's sick and tired of what she once felt that she was. She felt like she was silent. And now that she's taken action, she's done interviews, and she has come forth to a grand jury to bear witness on Khalil's death and give her side of the story. The verdict is in, and the cop that murdered her best friend, is not guilty for the crime, so all hell breaks loose. And it sounds very familiar, doesn't it? And the last point I make is the acceptance that she has with Haley not being her friend, Star had a hard time struggling between whether to keep Haley as a friend, trying to outweigh the good with the bad, and she's kind of come into terms of not continuing this, the friendship that she has with Haley. So I want to read also this. Haley says that she's sorry about the decision, the verdict that was made, and that she was upset with her. She hasn't been herself lately. And she just wants everything to be how it used to be. And and Star says, the sympathy for the case is nice, but she's sorry I'm upset. That's not the same as apologizing for her actions or the garbage she said. She's sorry I reacted the way I did. Oddly enough, I needed to know that. You see, it's like my mom said, if the good outweighs the bad, I should keep Haley as a friend. There's a shit ton of bad now, an overload of bad. I hate to admit that a teeny tiny, a teeny tiny part of me hoped Haley would see how wrong she was, but she hasn't. She may not ever see that. And you know what? That's fine. Okay, maybe not fine because it makes her a shitty-ass person, but I don't have to wait around for her to change. I can let go. And she replies saying that things will never be the way they used to be. 
those are all the parts I annotated and that is where I want to end this episode off in um I hope this book decision book oh I can't speak today I hope that this book discussion shed some light onto what the parallels can be between the events happening in this book to the events that are happening in real life um hopefully people can become encouraged to read this book as well um to purchase it you know read more literature that encompasses different cultures and just trying to research overall um I gave those annotations kind of like briefly just because those were points that I felt highlighted important themes throughout the book. And that last, that last annotation with her and her best friend I felt gave a nice end to it because she finally accepted, she was at the last state of grief. She was in acceptance, acceptance of everything. Um, The fight is not over, but she has accepted what's to come next you know the future that they're trying to build for their community in garden heights they're gonna try to rebuild the store their the friendship that she had with Haley is no longer there but she's okay with it because she's accepted it and her acceptance is bigger than her grief it is at the point where she feels confident with herself So I felt like that was a great place to stop it at. Um, But thank you to anyone who's been listening to this. I know this is a longer episode. Thank you for bearing with me because I took a lot of pauses in between too because I was trying to sort out what to talk about and also talk about the resources that I wanted to talk about. And even though this was longer than expected, it still felt like it wasn't enough to talk about the resources in depth, but... If anything, I hope you can check out the resources I did talk about, um, Good Therapy, and as well as the Black Youth Project. Please look at those, um, read the articles, and try to decipher what you get out of them. I think in the future I'll be doing more book discussions as well with the books I'll be reading throughout this time. So if you guys like it, please let me know. I would like to hear feedback with any of this. I think it would be really exciting. I hope you guys stay safe and have a wonderful day. Thank you. Bye.